So it's, um, it's my pleasure today to introduce them. Um, so Pastor Bill's not going to speak. They wouldn't let him. So, but they made me do this. So anyways, so Dan, come on up. So um, this guy is going to speak today. Um, so this is my buddy, Dan Baker. Um, Dan and I have worked at um, a couple of camps together. Um, I led worship and he was a speaker at a couple of camps and uh, um, have gotten to know each other a little bit, you know, kind of along the way. We've known each other for, I don't know, it's maybe four or five years, something yeah, like that. Too long, too long. God, jeez. <laughs> so um, Dan's going to share with us this morning. I just wanted to give you a quick introduction. And so that's it. Dan Baker is going to speak to us this morning. <laughs> Love you, brother. Awesome, man. Love you. Thanks, brother. I'm going to tweak this a little bit here. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. Oh, that was sounding like a cemetery. How's everyone doing this morning? There we go. I mean, it's, we have a free lunch after this. Let's be a little more excited about that, at least. Jeez. Um, so as Dan said, my name as well as Dan, um, I uh, um, live in Edwardsville, just to give you a little bit of background about myself. Um, grew up at St. Charles, went to school at SIUE, uh, go Cougars, which is always kind of a weird thing to say, but whatever. And uh, so I've um, stayed in the area, God just has really um, blessed me. Um, and so it was cool to hear from Dan a few weeks ago uh, when he said you guys are kind of doing this Pastor Appreciation Day. Uh, asked me to, to come out and speak to you. Um, and so, uh, so it was fun. So I actually met up with Dan and Andrea, I don't know, I don't know, it was probably a couple, maybe two, three weeks ago. And, uh, you know, we were sitting down and talking and, you know, kind of just talking about the whole, um, you know, how, the, how things work and the schedule and all that stuff. And so, but I thought it was really interesting. And at one point, you know, he just like gets really serious and Dan looks at me and goes, now, you got to understand, Dan, this is Pastor Appreciation Sunday. So what we need you to do is be really, really bad so that next Sunday we really appreciate our pastor. So it is my goal to live up to that standard. So feel free to fall asleep or play Angry Birds or something. I don't know. Um, no, I am excited to be here. It's, it's a fun, uh, fun time. And so if you would, just pray with me because I need it. I'm sure a couple of you guys need it, and then we'll, uh, we'll dive into the Word. So, God, I just come before you, Father, and uh, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here, God. I thank you um, just for who you are, Lord, that you are faithful, God. You are uh, the Alpha and the Omega, you're consistent, Lord, especially when we're not. You are faithful when we are faithless, Lord. And so, um, God, I, I pray, Lord, I plead with you, Father, uh, that all of us here today, Lord, would, um, would, just, would just be open to your word, Lord, be open to what you're, you're, you're speaking to us about, God, that any, any walls that we built up, God, anything that's distracting us from this week would, would just melt away, Father. You'd break those uh, barriers down and that we would... Um, God, we would, just, we would just humble ourselves. We wouldn't be the same men and women leaving this place as we came in, God. Um, I pray you speak through me, Father, that I would be nothing but a vessel, God, that your words would just permeate uh, in this place. And uh, again, I just thank you for this church, the, the mission, the, the, the community, the fellowship that, uh, that you've planted here. Um, Lord, may they continue to, to grow in, in, in you and, and uh, be an impact in this community. In your name, Amen. So, um, so like I was saying, I was I was wrestling with um, this uh, uh, this message, and so I was wondering, so what do you come into, and what do you what do you preach on, especially to a church you've never been to? I don't, 
know many of you here. You guys don't really know me. And so I just was asking the Lord to just, 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 just show me, you know, what do you, what do you want me to say? What, what, is, what is it that, that you would have? And as I was just wrestling through this, I came on this weird subject that I've never spent a lot of time on, but this idea of idolatry just kept, like, coming. It just kept just coming to mind. And so I was like, God, God, I'd rather speak a really more positive sermon than that, but if that's what you want, we'll do it, you know. So, so and that's what he led me to, and and, you know, and it's, it's an interesting subject because I don't know about your church in general, but if you take a broader look at American, we'll say, Christianity per se, it's not a, it's not a subject that may, we may, you know, everyone just come, hey, we're talking about idolatry this Sunday, let's all come and, you know, have a good time, right? Uh, because it's one of those kind of weird subjects in, in, a, in, in American Christian culture. We don't I haven't found a lot of churches that talk about it. You know, there, there's a million other things we might be more interested in that we might, you know, enjoy more. Um, and I think we distance ourselves from it. I'm just going to kind of expound a little bit and, and from just observation. Uh, because on the other hand, our culture has kind of embraced this word. Like, we, we've kind of taken it in, right? If you, if you stop and you think, we have all these things called, you know, like American Idol, right? You know, and um, if, if you, you list off maybe um, some sports uh, heroes or some, um, some musicians or models, I don't know. And, and you, you kind of get this sense, you might hear someone say, wow, they are my idol, right? You know, or wow, you know, you just, just this sense, this word idolatry or even just idol is a phrase that kind of gets tossed around a lot. You guys, you guys agree with that? How many, how many people watch American Idol? Three of you. Good, good. Awesome. I know there's, <laughs> yeah. But, but it's, it's a popular thing. We, we, we talk about it. That's how we talk. It's just, it's just a phrase. Um, in fact, and so this idea of just this lighthearted, like, ah, uh, yeah, I mean, they're my idol, or, or they're, it's just, it's a, it's just a, something that we don't really um, maybe fully grasp the, the weight of what maybe God talks about. It's even in our definition. I looked this up in, in Webster's. There's a couple different ones, but one was a greatly loved or admired person, a, repre- a representation or, or a symbol of an object of worship and, or an object of extreme devotion. And so you even look at that, and again, it's like, well, what's the big deal here, you know? And so, especially if you were to take a step back and you might talk to someone who's not of the faith or new to this and you begin talking about idols and they might say, well, I, I mean, I watch American Idol every whatever Sunday and what's the big deal, right? And then you start looking, though, at Scripture and there's this huge chasm, there's this difference between what maybe the world says an idol is and, and what our God really lays out foundationally uh, as important. Just throwing some things out. I mean, the, the second commandment, anybody know what the second commandment is? Just general phrase. They not, shall not worship idols. Number two on that list. That's kind of a big deal. Um, Leviticus 19.4 says, do not turn to idols. 1 John 5.21 says, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. And so God is talking to his people, us, and saying, this is a big deal to me. This is important to me. This is something that I hold dear and I want you to be serious about. But then again, going back to it, on the other hand, you, you, we're bombarded, right, with images and things to say, this is what you should shoot for. I mean, our culture, you know, success, a large 401k, a big house, a fast car, a new car, you know, a, uh, you know whatever it is, you know, 
they're saying this, this is okay. This is what you should strive for. You, you see it in television. Women, I don't know how you guys do it. You guys, I mean, there's magazines that are just airbrushed and this kind of image of this is the perfect you. This is what you should be, right? Any women feel me in that? I mean, I feel bad. That's a, that's, it's, it's just this idea that's constantly pushed on us to say, this is an idol and this is okay. This is what you should strive for. This is to make you better. And in reality, it's God is saying no. I mean, I'm, I'm a sucker for, I don't watch much TV, but I love Shark Tank. Anybody seen Shark Tank? Yeah. Kevin's my favorite. When he looks at, him, says, looks at somebody and says, you're dead to me, cracks me up every time. I just get a chuckle out of it. Maybe, maybe I'm weird. I don't know. But, but even in that show, I mean, look, just, just break that down. And they're saying, this, you know, you have to, you have to do X, Y, and Z to be successful. They, you know, they, 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 or not, excuse me, they, um, you know, they lift up money and they, this, you know, to really be um, considered successful is to be rich, right? I mean, that, just one example out of many. I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. And yet God kept coming back. Uh, and, and putting this subject on my heart to say, you know, I think we're getting this wrong. And I think, um, I think the church is missing the mark here. We don't really talk about it. I mean, the most, I, when I really stop and, and think, I've, I've been in, in uh, you know, in, in tons of sermons. And I could have just given another one today that just lists this idea of, of what an idol is. And, and this is, you know, what you should strive for. And this isn't what you should strive for. And, you know, we can just make this list of good and bad, right? And in reality, though, I think God is saying, that there is something here because there's one thing when I think about idolatry that I have never heard uh, ever preached on. And, and this is what we're going to talk about today. There's one question that's never asked when it comes to idolatry. We, I mean, how many people have sat, again, sat in sermons where it's just this list of stuff, right? Don't, you know, don't idolize your career. Don't idolize money. Don't idolize things. Don't idolize people. Don't idolize this. And don't idolize that, right? We... We've all sat in those sermons, yeah? Yeah, right? We, we can all go into Sunday school and list all that out, and, and we're going we're gonna to get an A-plus on that test. But the one thing, the one thing I think that no one talks about, no one asks this question, is why? Why do as human beings, we are seemingly endlessly falling into the trap of idolatry? Why is that? Why, why do we as humans, do we fall into this endless cycle? And so the question is, you know, are, as humans, are we just, just predisposed to following other gods? Or, you know, did God just make us with, you know, spiritual ADD where we can never be able to completely focus on him? Right? You know, we get so distracted. I'm, I'm distracted all the time. You know, or, or is it more, you know, maybe God just isn't big enough or isn't present enough in our life to really capture our attention. And so we just go running after this, these other things, this other stuff. And no one asks the question, why? Why do we do this over and over and over? And, and I'll say this, maybe I'm preaching to myself here, but we really, we do. It's heartbreaking. We do this over and over and over again. I've talked to, I do college ministry, I do youth ministry, and especially in our youth, I talk to so many kids who just come and they just bawl, and they're heartbroken. 
And they say, Dan, I just can't get past this thing. I just can't break through this. I just, you know, or I see these kids just turning away and they know the truth. They're raised in Christian families and yet they continually go back into whatever it may be, drugs, alcohol, sex, you know, just, just, getting, just getting absorbed in what, again, what the world says, this is the standard. This is what you strive for. And God's saying, no, no, this, I have so much more, something much, so much more better than that. And so today, we're going to ask the question, why? And we're going to do that, and we're going to look at this, and we're going to go through a journey here. And we're going to look at a people um, that, that walk this out. And we're going to look at why they, they did what they did. And so we're going to look at a very popular uh, story. If you were raised in, in, the, in the church, you probably know it. We're going to look at uh, the, the, uh, the Israelites in Egypt. And so we're going to be moving around some in uh, uh, in the Bible, but if you want to turn with me, and, and I'll try to, you know, give you guys as much heads up, but it's in Exodus 14, 19 through 31, and we're going we're gonna to look at the scripture, but um, for those of you who maybe weren't raised in the church, or it's kind of fuzzy, we're, I'm just going to talk real quick uh, about the, the story of the Israelites here, and, and kind of how they ended up where they're at, and we're picking this up in, uh, in, in, a, in a part of uh, Israel's history where they've been enslaved for, for hundreds of years in Egypt. You know, they're in a place where, um, again, I'm, I'm, I've never been a slave. I don't know what it's even like to be a slave. I can't imagine that. But, but you'd think that more than likely they are, they are hungry to get out. They are ready to get back to the promised land. They're ready to have their own leadership, their own rulers. And, and they're, they're tired of being in the state they are in. And yet they are there, and, and they were forced into this slavery. It's more than likely miserable. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, this guy comes along. And, uh, and he comes along and he says, I'm going to set God's people free. Anybody, are you guys following me on this story? Who's the guy? Moses. Thank you. So it's Moses. So he comes along and all of a sudden, um, you know, he, he's confronting Pharaoh, uh, who's, the, who's the leader of the Egyptians. And he calls on God to unleash these plagues on the people of Egypt because of, of Pharaoh's refusal to let his people go, let the Israelites go. And so you, so you see the story unfolding, and it's unreal. And so it goes through these 10 plagues, and they just keep getting worse and worse and worse. And so, again, I just want to stop in the midst of that and just kind of picture being an Israelite in this moment. And, uh, uh, and you're seeing this happen. You're seeing the people that are, that are kind of have their foot on your neck, just, and they're keeping you imprisoned and, 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 and slavery. They're, your God is pouring out wrath on this nation. And you can go look at that through Exodus. But it is, um, it's, it's an incredible period. And you can just imagine what that would be like. And so finally, the last, the last um, plague really breaks uh, Pharaoh's will. He, he finally relents and says, fine, I'm done. Go take your people and get out of here. And so this whole, uh, the Israelite people leave, they, 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 they're, they're heading back to the promised land. So we're going to pick this up in Exodus 14. It's, it's a little long, but I just want to go through this because it sets something up that we're going to look at pretty closely. I'm going to read this to you, starting in Exodus uh, 14, verse 19. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other. So neither went 
near, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with, strong, with a strong east wind, turning it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with all the water on the right and on the left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea, during the last of which, uh, excuse me, during the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at, and cloud, uh, at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of the chariots in that they had, uh, they had a difficult time driving, and the, Egyptians, and the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and the chariots and the horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back into its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it. The Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, and the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea onto dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And that day the Lord saved Israel from the hand of the, of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and Moses, his servant. And so again, I recognize that as, as many of us probably have, we've read that and, we've, and we've, we know that story and it's, you know, it's pretty moving. And I just wanted to read that one more time. Maybe it's been a while. And so again, I just want to put yourself in the place of this, of this Israelite people moving out of Egypt, heading towards freedom. And, and, and there's this moment in time there where, again, just what, what we read, where, where they are coming up against this body of water, where there seems to be no hope that they have to get to the other side. They have an, the, the world's strongest, most powerful army at the time coming after them, and they are in a bind here, right? And all of a sudden, we as Christians, we, we, we believe this to be true. We know this to be true. This is our, our, our God once again reaching into mankind and, 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 and moving in a powerful way. And he separates the waters and, and the people of, of Israel move through and they are saved. They see, their, uh, they see their, this army that is out to destroy them, out to kill them, out to enslave them one more time, destroyed. And so there's this moment where you think it couldn't get better. Holy cow. We're untouchable, right? Our God, if our God is with us, who can be against us? This, this moment, I mean, I, I, just, I just think about that. It had to have been just um, maybe one of the proudest moments in, in the, in the uh, Israeli history to, to be there and to see, that, to see that done. We read about that, but just to imagine to have been there and seen it in its entirety. I mean, it's so good, it could be even a movie, right? And in fact, I was at the theaters, they're making this into a movie. This very scene, it's so, the, 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 our, as humans, we're so drawn to that, that we're even create Hollywood has chosen to make money off it, and they're going to make it into a movie. And so you think that's the end of the story, right? It couldn't get better. They're going to ride into the sunset, and, and, and everything's going to be good, and they're going to be happy campers, right? As we know, it's not the end of the story. There's a, there's a point later on, and, and we're going to turn to Exodus 32, where the Israelites um, are in the desert, 
And uh, there's a moment here where, where they, uh, yeah, it gets tough. Let's just go ahead and read it. It's, it's Exodus 32, 1 through 14. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives and your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioned it with a tool. And they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So, then, so the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship uh, offerings. After they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have, been, have become corrupted. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast into the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. You know, I was reading this over again, and, and every time I seem to read this, uh, this story, that, that moment there where the Israelites turn back, they, excuse me, they turn to uh, a thing, they turn to this golden calf, it just breaks my heart. It just crushes me. And I think most of us would say, we read this moment and you, be, you just ask the question, why? Why would they do this? You have just seen God pour out his wrath on the Egyptians. Ten horrible, horrible plagues. You've seen him separate the sea. You cross from one side to the other. The army that is coming after you is completely wiped out. And you're free. You're free. And so it doesn't take a rocket scientist to ask the question, how could you do that? And so me, being the arrogant person I am, look back in that moment in time and say, what idiots, what morons, who could do that? You have to be stupid to do that. Was there no one in the camp that stood up and said, hey, hold on a second, maybe we shouldn't do this. And you read that. And I cast so much judgment on them and, and uh, uh, just, just, uh, just mind-boggling. And it's in that moment that God, though, says, hold on, Dan. That is your story, too. That is our story. Because how many times have I seen the hand of God in my own life, seen just miracles happen, and yet a day or a week or a month later, all of a sudden I turn from him and I'm running, I'm running after that, that golden idol. I'm creating this thing again. And that's the reality. And so then I come back to this question of why. Why do they do it? Why do I do it? And I wrestled with this. I did. I, I really just, I said, there has to be more to the story than this moment. It doesn't end here. It has to be more. And it was cool because I started just reading. I just actually started reading backwards. I kept going and I kept going. And the answer is found in the story. The reason why this happens 
is found in the story. It's eight chapters before in Exodus 24, 13. I just want to read this to you. Catch this moment. Moses is about ready to go up on the mountain. He's about ready to receive from God a love letter from God to his people, the foundation of what he wants his people to become. And Moses is about ready to set forth on this journey, and so he's, he's getting ready to go. In Exodus, Exodus 24, verse 13, Then Moses set out with Joshua his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God, and he said to the elders... So before he leaves, he turns around, he looks at the people, he's in, the men he's entrusting his people with, and he says this, wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and her are with you, and, and, and anyone involved in dispute can go to them. And Moses was gone for 40 days and 40 nights. And simply, I think the answer is that his people, God's people, could not wait. The deeper truth, I think, to our um, affinity to run to idols and things is the reality is that God's people, we are a fickle people. We do not wait on our maker. The answer to this moment when the Israelites turn back is because they could not wait. Moses said to them, "All oh, you just wait for me to return. I'm going to bring a message that is going to be the beginning of our people. Again, we are going to be restored. That message being in the Ten Commandments. And his people could not simply wait. And in fact, it echoes another story that, is, that we have 1,500 years later. And we're going to, I'm just going to walk you through this story. It's another story we know, and I think the answer is in front of us. It's a story about 12 men who were, were selected in the midst of Jesus's, the, 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 the beginning of Jesus's ministry, and we know this, it's, it's, it's the disciples. And these men for three years walked and talked with Jesus. They broke bread with the Savior of the universe. They witnessed miracle after miracle. And as we know in, in the New Testament, these men, every one of them, do what? In the moments before Jesus' crucifixion. They abandoned him, right? And so there's a moment in the midst, especially you look at Peter, where he denies Christ three times, and there's a moment there that echoes 1,500 years in history where, where Peter has seen Jesus' miracles. He's seen, I mean, he's seen 5,000 fed. He's walked on water. He's, he has been in the midst of some of the most amazing moments in, in, in our faith. Yet even, even Peter turns. Even he turns in this moment. But the cool thing about this, though, is that the story doesn't end there, right? Our faith doesn't end at the crucifixion, correct? There's a moment here where, where, uh, where, where redemption comes full circle, and it's, it's found in Acts 1, and I'm just going to read this to you. And we're picking it up where, where, where Jesus has been crucified and he's been, um, he's been brought back, he's been uh, resurrected. And it says this, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. 
He's speaking to his disciples. He gives them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift, the Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that moment? Did you catch that one word? Where Jesus looks at, his, looks at the men who've abandoned him, done the exact same thing the Israelites have done in the desert, turned after everything they've seen, and yet he looks at them after, after um, revealing himself multiple times, and he says one thing, he says, wait for the gift my father has promised. Wait. And I think the answer to the question, it's deeper in this idea of why do we turn from our maker? Why do we turn to idol after idol after idol that we know doesn't give life, that we know has no ultimate meaning or purpose? It doesn't save, but yet we as humans constantly turn back to that. And God is saying to each and every one of you and to me, he's saying, wait on me. Wait, wait, wait. There is no gift, there is no filling unless there is waiting. We are an impatient people. If it doesn't come quickly, we just assume that it's broken. And so it's funny because Jesus is looking at his disciples and he says, wait, because he's going to send them a, a gift. He's going to send them the Holy Spirit. And so you ask the question of why does, God, why does Jesus make, uh, make them wait? Don't you think that would have been the perfect moment in time to give the gift of the Holy Spirit as he's ascending into heaven? I mean, don't you think that would be the moment it, to give it? You just kind of handing the ball off? I mean, was it the fact that the Holy Spirit wasn't ready yet? Was it in like a beta version? You know? I mean, we don't want to, we don't want we, we don't want to have a, like a 2.0 here. We want to get this right. We don't have a worldwide rollout of the Holy Spirit and we have any sort of problem. So we're not quite done with it yet. We got to finish it. We're almost there. Just, just give me, give, give us a couple weeks. We'll have this thing wrapped up. Yeah, we've had all of eternity to work on the Holy Spirit, but just, just give us a few, a little bit longer. I mean, do you think that, do you really think that was the problem? Do you think the Holy Spirit wasn't ready yet? No. No. Waiting is everything to, our, to us. It makes us acknowledge what we don't have. It erodes us to our core. It creates a sacred emptiness in us as humans. It makes us acknowledge that there is nothing that can fill us than a sacred other half, that there is no idol, there is no thing, there is no person, there's no job, there's no house, there's no car that's gonna fill this void in your life until you wait on the Lord to reveal to you and to me what, what our deeper purpose is, what our deeper sense, what are we, what are we supposed to do in this world? Do we simply just have a get-out-of-hell-free ticket with our salvation and we're supposed to just hang out here until Jesus comes back? And because we have salvation, because we're guaranteed eternal life, that, that gives us the right to go turn to idols and just do whatever we want and just to have fun until it, we, we all just fly away? No. 
course not. The reality is that we must, we have to wait on our maker. I don't know what hole you have in your life. We all come this morning with something we're longing for, with something inside of us that is broken, that is, that is empty, that is missing. And again, I could create a list of what it is, money, sex, drugs, uh, fame, I don't know. It could be acceptance, it could be popularity, it could be, um, you know, having a perfect 4.0 GPA, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and make a list for you. You know. And God is yet calling you to, to, to something deeper. He's inviting you into a, a period of, of life that I think if, that, that there's too many of us as believers who never stop, who never wait on the Lord to show us what that is. We just go from day to day and we just fill our life with busyness and, and we kind of check off the box that, that if we just come on Sundays and maybe we throw a Wednesday night here every once in a while, we're good. We're spiritually sound. And I'm excited we're celebrating your leaders. I think it's, an, I think it's a great thing. But I'm speaking to the congregation here. I'm not a pastor, but I'm telling that there are many of us who just look to say, well, I'm going to leave the spiritual things up to the pastors, to Bill, to, 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 the, to the guys that do it regularly because I'm just a plumber. I don't know. When in reality, you and I are the hands and feet. Yet we never wait on the Lord to show us where are we supposed to go with those hands and where are we supposed to go with those feet. And instead, we, we, we make our, our lives busy by just filling it with junk that we can't take with us. There's a song that says you can't put a U-Haul in the back of a hearse, right? It's the truth. It's the dadgum truth. And I'm not trying to bum you guys out. I'm inviting you into something that is freeing, that is something that sets you free. You know, I'm going to share uh, uh, just a, a story of mine. It's, it's recently happened, and... Um, I take with it what you, ha- what you will. Um, you would have talked to me two months ago. I would have looked at you in the eye and said, life is awesome. It couldn't get any better. Life was, I had an awesome job. I had a great career. I was making tons of money. I was doing well. I had a, I had a wonderful girlfriend. We were talking about getting married. And I was just set up. Now, granted, yeah, I didn't have enough time to, to do anything else than go to, go to church on Sunday. I wasn't doing ministry outside of that. I wasn't sharing the gospel. I wasn't talking to people about Jesus. I wasn't helping the poor. I wasn't feeding the hungry. I was just doing the bare minimum. But I was making good money. I had a great 401k. I had a great everything. And a month and a half ago... Um, <laughs> I'm sitting there talking, talking to my boss, and I, you know, I'm deep down. I know fundamentally there's something wrong. In my core, I know that things aren't right. And so I'm sitting to my boss, sitting in, and having a very hard conversation with my boss over some concerns, and it's not going well. And I'm just continually to backslide to a person I don't want to be. And then there's this moment where our conversation hits such a low point. I just realize I've got to walk away. If I don't quit this job right now, I will fundamentally not be the same person. And so I resigned my job. I remember walking out of my job thinking, what am I doing? 
I'm a young guy. This, this, could, this could have devastating impacts on my career. But I knew if I didn't leave, if I didn't walk away, I am slowly dying on the inside. And so I left. I quit my job. Um, it was crazy. The day before that, I got, a, I got a phone call. My dad was being rushed to the hospital for, for heart issues. He, he went into emergency surgery. And so life was just starting to like come unglued here. And a week after I quit my job, I'm sitting in front of, or sitting across from my girlfriend who I thought we were going to, you know, we're talking about engagement plans. And all of a sudden she's like, Dan, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I, I, I care for you, but I'm, I'm spiritually dead on the inside. We're not growing. We're not doing anything different. It was like I was living a country song. And it was in that moment, it was, it was, it was when it, it literally all got stripped away. It all got just, life just came apart. And it started a journey, and I'm a month and a half into it now, where literally you don't have much, you don't have many options other than waiting, really. And so I began to wait. I began to just wrestle through this and, and really realizing in my own life that I was looking at my career was my God, was, my, uh, was Dan Baker's idol because my success, my self-esteem was solely really based on how successful the company was. How well were we doing? Was I performing well enough? If I had to work 80 hours a week done, I'll get it done to, to see the project come to its end in its entirety. But it was week in and week out, and I was making no impact spiritually for the kingdom of God. And when that went away, I literally began to rely on this relationship. Well, that's going okay. At least I have this person to hold me up, to to edify me, to lift me up when things are getting really tough. And all of a sudden, boom, that's gone. And so I'm in a place now where you're waiting on the Lord. And I don't say that to to invoke some sort of empathy. I'm just telling you my story. God's good. If there's anything I've learned in the last month and a half is that God is faithful when I'm not. And God is faithful when you're not. And so I invite you into that. I don't know where you're at in life. And I'm not saying you got to quit your job or break up with your girlfriend or whatever. But I think if, if you were to be honest with yourself in this moment, if you were to really stop and ask God, am I seeing, am, am I personally helping to see the kingdom come? Am I, am I seeing my neighbors' lives transformed? Am I seeing the, the kids in my neighborhood that have no dad or have come from a broken family who, who, who just are lost? Am I investing in them? Am I investing in my coworkers? I don't know. And, and, and I don't know where God's calling you to. It was interesting. I heard a quote the other day that there's two important times in someone's life, the day they're born and the day they realize why they were. And spiritually, I think that's true. I think there's a lot of believers who really have no idea what purpose they have on this earth. And I invite you into that. I'm gonna, I know there's a lot of college students here. I, speaking to you directly, guys. I graduated three years ago. I'm not that much farther along than you are. 
And there's a moment in your college life where, where you're so busy, you have classes, maybe you're working, you're just trying to make ends meet, that you just think, all right, life is really tough right now, but you know what, as soon as I graduate, then, then I'm going to really hit it hard. I'm going to do ministry all the time, and, and I'm just going to pour into that one thing that I'm passionate about. And I'm telling you, if you believe that, if you're telling yourself that right now, you're lying to yourself. You are absolutely lying to yourself because once you graduate, once you get done with that, then there's just a, there's a whole new set of things to take care of. There's a whole new set of, 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 of just stuff the world throws at you that says you need, that you gotta pour your time into, that you gotta invest in. And all of a sudden you're 45 and you look back and you're like, what, what am I doing with my life? And so I just, I'm, I'm pleading with you as a church body, as individuals, as brothers and sisters, to really reflect and say, God, I want to wait on you. Just, just come before him and just plead with him to say, Lord, just fill me up. Just, just show me where you want me to go. Am I, am, I, am I living out the purpose you have for my life? One, one last story, and I'll, uh, I'll wrap this up. Um, I, uh, I go to an inner city uh, church in uh, in the Metro East, and uh, we're a church plant, uh, three years three years old, and we're so we're very very new, very young, trying to figure things out. A lot of times we miss the mark, we don't do it right. And so in our church leadership, we were really wrestling with what, are, what is our purpose here? We, we're in like South Granite City, North Madison. And so we're, we're, um, there's a lot of brokenness. I mean, I'm telling you what, you, if you're looking around, you're like, I don't know, I don't, I don't really see need around me. You're, you're welcome to come hang out with us on Wednesday nights because you'll see plenty of it. We work with, with folks who, who are rampant drug addicts. Heroin and, uh, and meth is just unreal. It's heartbreaking. It's just, it's just, it breaks your heart. You see this stuff. And so we're wrestling with what, what are we, what is our purpose here? What are we really intended to do? Because there's actually plenty of churches in the inner city. There's, there's, there's tons, actually. So if we're here to just kind of create another place for people just to kind of come in four walls and a worship Sunday morning and do some stuff during the week, then awesome. And so we, find our, we found ourselves just continually kind of beating our heads against the wall to pour all this time and all this money and all this effort into doing this Sunday worship set when people were barely coming. It was unreal. It was like something's wrong here. And someone had the idea. They said, you know what? Why don't we just, it's, it's the beginning of the summer, why don't we just, uh, um, uh, just go hang out with people? Why don't we just go hang out with people? And so we did. So we, we uh, 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 Wednesday night in, in June, um, it was warm, it was beautiful. We went out and we just, we just went and knocked on doors. And we said, hey, we're, uh, we're doing a Bible study and just hanging out with folks down at the park uh, in an hour. If you want to come, you're welcome to join us. We'd love to have you. Some people thought we were weird. Some people said thank you. Some people didn't open the door. Um, we just did it. Just, I don't know, let's, let's try something. So we did and what we found was, as time went on, that word got out because there was actually so many kids that had absolutely nothing to do. They're stuck at home. They're bored. They, they have just so little choices. And all of a sudden, these kids started pouring in and pouring in and pouring in. And so we got like 30 kids coming to this thing on the middle of a Wednesday night. And we're sitting there. And you're, you're just taking a step back. And you watch these 30 kids holding hands, praying together, talking about Jesus and what salvation means and what, what, what it really means to have hope. 
And you got kids praying for their mom, and then a month later you see all of a sudden the mom's showing up at church and she's asking, why are you hanging out with, with my son? What are you talking about, this Jesus thing about? And you see the kingdom come. You literally see God's kingdom come into one of the most broken places in St. Louis. I remember just, st- just sitting back one Wednesday night and just, just crying, just watching this, because finally we realized this is what we're here for. This is it. For us, this is it. This is the moment where we oh, just, oh, just were reawakened to the purpose that God had for us in that place and time. And seeing all these kids and their parents start just coming and asking questions and just talking to them. It was moving. It was beautiful. And I invite you into that here, in this place, in your community, in your home. What is it? What is it? I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, we, our church, we, we get a lot of stuff wrong. We're not the model by any stretch. But we just want to glorify God and see uh, his name known to, to, to every people. And so I challenge you in that. I, I plead with you in that. Come alongside your leaders and do it. It's not on them. It's not their responsibility. It's, it's you. It's every one of you has a purpose. Every one of us has a story, has, has, a, has a life to lead out with passion and purpose. And so I invite you into that. It's amazing. It's a moment where you say, you know what? I don't need to work an extra two hours tonight. I'm going to go and I'm going to hang out with a bunch of kids who have nothing else to do and talk to them about Jesus Christ. That's an option. I encourage you to do that. It's, it's life-giving. It's amazing. I'm standing on the other side of that with, with no job and, and, and with, with, with just completely trusting the Lord. And I'm telling you, there is more freedom in where I'm sitting at now than where I was two months ago. It's freeing. It's, it's amazing. I can't, I can't even describe it. The words aren't even enough. But I invite you into that. It is so sweet. It is so refreshing. It's fulfilling. It's life-giving. And so I just want to end with... with um, that, 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 and a prayer that you guys, and I know many, many, many of you are, you have a heart for service, but keep going, keep pressing hard, keep fighting the good fight, because it's worth it. It's worth it. It has eternal consequences. You cannot take anything else with you. So, let's close in prayer. Lord God, I just thank you, Father, for these people, Lord, I thank you for this church. I do, Lord. I know so, so many have a heart to serve you, God. And uh, Lord, I would pray, God, that you would just um, move in, in, in the hearts and the lives of the individuals here, God. Just if they need to wait on you, if they need to walk away from commitments that, that they know or they don't need anymore, Lord, they do it. Lord, would I do it? God, we break the mold of just this uh, chasing after this American dream. God, would we, would we truly just choose you every day, God? Would we wait on you? Lord, I thank you for those, for those men in that room, Lord, who you, who you poured the Holy Spirit out on, God. And they, 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 
They took the gospel to the corners of the earth, Lord. We thank you for them, Lord, the, 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 the early church, God. May we resemble that. May we, may we follow uh, uh, in the path that they've already blazed, God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are faithful when we're not. Lord, I, I, thank, I thank you that you are a real God who cares for every heart, every face, every name, every story in this room. God, you care. You love it, Lord. May we live for you. In your name, amen.